What's good, y'all? Welcome to the John Katz Show, episode number 53. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, I hope everybody had a really lovely holiday weekend, Easter, uh, and uh, and Passover for those of y'all so inclined. Uh, nice spring, little spring holiday season, I guess. Spend some time with family and loved ones and all. It's, it's nice. Nice time of year. And uh, what else? I am... I got a birthday this week. I'm not like a big birthday person, but I am turning 44 this week. So getting old, starting to get the, uh, I noticed the the squiggly eyebrow hairs, a couple of those bad boys coming in, you start to get weird hairs, got a couple weird ear hairs and stuff like coming out the, like the outside of your ear, you start to get a lot of aches and pains. You got like, I got like turf toe from doing nothing you know what i mean but yeah it has its advantages too time is funny getting old is funny time time is a a mind i spend a lot of time thinking about time just you know the construct of time the principle of time it's really such a mind fuck if you start to go down that path and then i start to think about weird little things like when i was a kid and i pictured being 44 you just you think you're gonna feel so different then you think your existence is going to be your reference point of people that age. I mean, I was just thinking how insane it was how, you know, I'm older right now than the majority of my friend's parents were when we were kids. And I don't even mean, you know, young kids, you know, 12, 13, even the average parent was, you know, probably late thirties, early forties, you know, mid, mid thirties even, which seems like a baby to me now, which is really crazy to think about. Because they seemed so old, you know, and I don't know, I talk about the generational stuff a lot, how people, especially from like my grandparents' generation, you know, they carried themselves in such a mature way. And then, you know, the circumstances of life obviously also matured them much more quickly than probably the, the cushy, comfy lifestyle that a lot of us enjoy today. So there was that. And that probably also even applies to some of the older boomers and so forth. But then I think also it's just your perception of of the world as a child you kind of always have this that's why it's funny because when you're a kid you always have this thing and this applies to so much in life you always have this thing where you think well the adult the adults really know something that i don't you know deep down you kind of think someday i'm going to be an adult and then i'm going to be let in on this all this secret information i'm going to understand things. but then you kind of realize it never it's maybe it's probably a gradual thing but there's certainly, you know, there's no light switch that turns on. It's like now you're an adult. You're, you're let in on all the stuff that you didn't think you knew. You just kind of still always feel the same. You're just the same person, you know, and that, and that is why time is so weird. And, you know, like I moved down to Florida going into high school. I was 14 and my mom was like 41, maybe. So to think she was like three, four years younger than me when she seemed so old at the time, yeah, really, really messes with your brain. The whole the whole time thing really messes with your brain. It's like, you know, they always say everything's kind of all happening at once. There's no past and future and all that. I really feel that so often. But yeah, I um I started working recently. When I say working like a real a real job, I haven't done, you know, quote, a real job in uh in quite some time. It's been a very strange, transformative couple years, but uh yeah, a few years is dirt right actually right. That summer when the pandemic had first started, uh, the gig I had been with for a very long time, I was just, and I've talked about it, uh, and I think I'm still kind of 
in the tail end of that whole existential crisis type deal, but I was just like, I can't do this anymore. And I bounced and felt very freeing for a while. And I was able to put energy into this and things that I'm passionate about. But as it's gone on, you know, it's, it's, I, I do need a bit more, uh, you know, it's important that we fill our days constructively. And ideally, we do want to be able to do stuff we're passionate about. And then there's also obviously the issue that, you know, we have to be able to support ourselves and pay for things and buy the stuff we need. So there's that, which is obviously necessity, which applies to almost everybody. So yeah, I'm, I'm getting back into the groove of what you might call, you know, more traditional type work. Can I talk about it here? Can I plug my, you know, I don't have a, uh, I don't have a sponsor on this show. I really wanted to, with the whole sponsor thing, I really wanted to wait and I wanted to be like big enough where it's really the type sponsor I want for them. Not that I think I'm better than any, God forbid, God forbid, I, I think I'm better than anyone. Not that I've been accused of that. You think you're better than people? But so yeah, with the job, so this is not a uh, this is not a paid sponsorship. YouTube, don't get weird on me. And I posted a video about this on Twitter. You guys can always hit me. Listen, I feel like a lot of you guys aren't on Twitter, and it is such a divisive uh, cesspool over there sometimes. So I don't I don't blame some of you guys. You can always get me on Twitter, but. I posted a video about it. Basically, the the firm I'm working for, it's a huge company. They're all over the country and they do a thousand different things. But this particular project that I'm mostly working on now is regarding getting small business owners tax refunds from the government that they're owed from during the pandemic. And, and there's there's hundreds of billions of dollars allocated in the Treasury Department that were for this specific employee retention credit and most of the small business owners who are supposed to get this refund haven't yet gotten it. And so, yeah, if you're a, uh, if you're a small business owner, no, really, if you're a small business owner and this is for 20, if you had employees in 2019 or even one employee, W2 employees, only the, the 1099s don't count. But if you had employees in 2019 and then carried them over to 2020, 2021, there's a good chance you are eligible for this. So hit me up and you guys can email me either johncatsshow at gmail.com or jcats0411 at gmail.com. Email me anytime. I, I can go over it with you, answer your questions. I'll send you over the application if you just want to see if you do qualify for it. And there's no fee to do any of that stuff. So could be could be well worth it. That See, that's the thing. And this program is only going on for a couple more years. And then uh, you know, the IRS is just keeping that money. And and here's here's what I was going to say, because I've had this conversation now with a few people since I had signed on to do this job. And, you know, the ethics of this type stuff comes up and the, the principle of, you know, government funded X, Y and Z. And you know, I called I called my old boss because I thought he would he's actually he's a small business owner. And I thought, you know, he it might be something that he that he could benefit from. And we, he's like, John, I thought you were against this type of thing, like, uh, you know, government funded this and that. And, and because I am a Mr. Small government, and I don't think the government should have their beak in 99% of the stuff that they do. However, in this particular case, the government personally caused all of these issues for the small businesses. So it's their fuck up. You know what I mean? Under normal circumstances, if they hadn't done anything, you know, it wasn't the virus itself that forced all these different mandates and lockdowns and guidelines and stuff that went on way longer than it should have. 
and it caused so many issues, uh, forgetting even, you know, uh, revenue and foot traffic and all that, which was huge. All the supply chain stuff, it, it was the government's mishandling of it that caused all of these small businesses to suffer. So yes, and then they kept all of this tax money and they said, we're going to use it to now help these small business owners. And in this particular case, they made it so complicated that it hasn't helped like more than 80% of those it was going to help. So I was it said to, uh, I won't use his name. I said, you know, I go, really, you know, like, do you think I'd rather have this money sitting in the hands of the government when it was intended to go to small business people who many didn't even survive because of these issues and majority are struggling to this day in some way. So yeah, would I rather see them get it or rather see the government keep it? It's kind of a no brainer. So, uh, anyway, that's enough about that. Hit me up anytime. Seriously. And another interesting thing about that phone conversation I mentioned the other day also is that, you know, he and I are actually opposed political. I'm not going to get into politics. There was too much politics on this show the last few. I'm not getting into politics, but he and I are opposed politically. And, you know, we disagree on probably 80, 90 percent of issues. However, after discussing this tax credit deal, he and I had an hour plus long conversation about politics. And it struck me because, you know, this is somebody I used to work with all the time, and there was other people there at the office uh, similarly aligned. And we always had healthy conversation, healthy debate, healthy discourse. And I only mention it because it really reiterates something that I have talked about the last couple apps, which is in real life, normal, reasonable people can have these conversations and not have it be nearly as divisive as social media and mainstream media and a lot of other things would lead you to believe. People are still people at the end of the day, you know, and it is it is possible to to still have those types of conversations. So that was um heartening. But yeah, life is uh life is weird, man. Life is kind of nutty lately. I feel like I say that all the time, but it has been nutty for a while, but there there are constant shifts going on. It's uh and there are a lot of synchronicities happening lately, by the way. I talk about the sinks all the time. There's been some weird ones. I'm not sure exactly what, what's going on there. I have a few different theories. It could be a mixture of things happening. So so here's a wild one. I was just chilling, like fucking around on my phone. I had Spotify. I often have Spotify playing in the background. Like I just, I'll put on a song I like and then I let the algorithm run. Spotify really is great. If you do that, like if you find a song you really love and then just let it play, let the algorithm, the AI, artificial intelligence on there take over, it'll it'll really clue into the stuff. And then, you know, as you're hitting like on other songs, anyway, you guys understand how it works. So I wasn't even paying attention to the song that was playing. I often don't know the song. And if it, if it catches my ear, like I'll stop and look at it and like it. But there's a song playing I never heard it, low volume. Like I'll keep music on low when I'm doing other stuff. I just, I like the background sound. So... As I'm doing this, I'm looking at Twitter, I think, and I get a message from a friend and it says, how do you pronounce the word squirrel? The animal, the a squirrel, how do you pronounce that word? Squirrel. So literally, as I'm pondering the question and saying the word squirrel, I'm looking at my phone and on the little drag down, I see squirrel flower red shoulder from Spotify. In other words, Right as, and it gets weirder from here, by the way, right as somebody messaged to say, how do you pronounce squirrel? My phone was playing a song that I didn't even know. I've never heard of that band, uh, Squirrel Flower. I've never heard of the band Squirrel Flower. The song, Red Shoulder, I never heard of it. It wasn't on my liked or anything. 
So as I'm listening to this song with the name of the band Squirrel, I get a message saying, how do you pronounce Squirrel? And it was one of those where I looked at my phone. I was like, wait, why did my phone already say Squirrel? Like I had to figure out where I was for a minute. Then I shit you not, within 10, 20 seconds of that, I open up Twitter and immediately in my timeline, and it had just been tweeted a couple minutes before, was a video of like four dudes on a basketball court in the hood playing like street ball. And there was a squirrel on the court and the caption said, bro just crossed up a squirrel or something like that. And it was a dude like dribbling, like as if the squirrel was defending him. So within a 30 second span, I had a song on squirrel. Someone asked me how to pronounce squirrel. And then someone on Twitter had tweeted a squirrel video and it showed up in my timeline immediately. Now, some of that, especially the Twitter part, bringing something up about Squirrel, if I'm typing Squirrel in another app, for sure, these apps do spy on you, but it still doesn't explain the other thing. You know, I brought up that other story a long time ago about someone asking me about toilet doors at the exact time someone I know tweeted about toilet doors, because I think I think there is a lot of bleed over of consciousness happening. That's my theory. I think that We've kind of always had this ability, and I think it's evolving. I think the human brain, obviously, we don't understand, but what technology has done is it has linked us in a way that we're now able to grab those electrical impulses, even subconsciously, and then it manifests in the things we say and the things we type. And so that, you know, maybe if you are texting with someone and you have a song playing on your phone, maybe they subconsciously do pick up on that somehow. And then the title of that song subconsciously pops into their head. And then they have the thought, hmm, people pronounce this word differently. I'm going to ask this person how they pronounce it. But it only popped in their head because you were already playing that song. I do believe that's the case. And I know that sounds a little nutty for a lot of people, but I I for sure believe that. You know, because we really are kind of cyborgs already in a way. We do carry these devices on us all day in our pocket, in our hand. And that's only in very, very recent history that that's going on. So who knows how that impacts our brain waves and our, I mean, our brain runs on electricity. Like who knows what's really going on there? I'll give you another one happened a couple weeks ago. And it's funny because sometimes, a lot of times I'll just tweet something for no reason. It's just a random thought I have because my mind is always kind of thinking about random stuff or let's say I'm watching a show or whatever. So if it's like something about just a social commentary about human behavior or something, Oftentimes I do that and people are like, what's wrong, man? Or what happened? And it's like, nothing happened. I was just having a random thought because of this show I saw or for no reason at all. So this was one of those. And I I was just thinking about these guys that yell at the neighborhood kids outside. And speaking of becoming an adult and getting older and being in your 40s. So I, I had tweeted, I said uh, something to the effect of, if you if you catch yourself hollering at neighborhood kids to settle down, you you have officially become an adult. Now, I've never done that, right? I've never had the occasion. Maybe uh, you know some kid riding his bike in the street, a little honkered. I don't know. Perhaps, maybe at most. So I was tweeting it just as a social commentary, not because it had just happened to me. However, two hours later maybe three hours, there's a loud bang at the door. Boom, 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 where I thought it was the popo. So, like nobody knocks that hard. So I jump up, run over there. I look through the peephole. Nobody's there. I open the door. Nobody's there. And then you can like hear kids off in the distance snickering. So I was like, oh, I got fucking 
knock and knock and run. What do they call it? Ditching something. Y'all are going to make fun of me for now. What's it called? Ring and ditch? I don't know. In any case, the thing that every kid in the world has done and we all did as kids in hotels and everywhere else. And uh, so I went to grab my phone to look at the ring app but my phone was on 1%. As soon as I opened it up, it died. So now I had to plug my phone in, wait wait to get a little juice in there to open it back up to even see who the fuck had knocked on the door. And as soon as I opened it, I see two kids. I felt bad for the one kid. It was like this really young little uh, dude. And then what was funny is the other kid who was probably twice his age and size was egging him on from around the corner because it recorded all the audio. And he's going, dude, just do it, man. He's like, if you run over for this side, the ring won't get you and all the recording won't get you. And all. meanwhile, it's recording him the whole time. Then the little dude runs up, slams on it, and they go sprinting off. So I was outside like 20 minutes later and I see the two kids coming by on their bikes. They were like over by the corner. And then they kind of, they saw me and they kind of stopped, but they didn't want to look suspicious and run around. It's funny that thing you do when you're guilty, you just start like walking slower because you can't turn and go the other way. That's the guiltiest move of all. So, it, you know, every, it's really hard to just nonchalantly keep the exact pace you already had. So they were doing that move. And uh, I was just like, yo, don't knock on my door like that. And I said, do that to other other doors. Don't do that to me. Specifically to the big kid, too. I was like, I heard you tell him to do it. And it didn't even strike me at the time. And then I was like, holy shit. I just chastised some neighborhood kids for the first time in my life three hours after I tweeted about doing that. So that's really strange. And obviously there are coincidences, but why did it pop in my head? And why did I say something to the point where I even said something out loud about it to the ether? And then it actually happened. And by the way, uh, we were supposed to be doing a show, uh, another one coming up with Ordi and Mickey and those guys over at KLRN uh, all about this type of uh, paranormal stuff. So keep an eye out for that. That should be coming up soon, hopefully. But yeah, so a lot of that stuff can't be explained just by tech, or maybe the tech has attributed to the fact that our consciousness is now evolving and these abilities, I don't want to call it, you know, telepathy or ESP or whatever it is, but we don't know. We don't know what we pick up on. Listen, right now there's all types of waves running through this room I'm sitting in from Wi-Fi to Bluetooth to radio, uh, you name it. I don't, I'm not perceiving any of it. I don't pick up. You need a special device to pick up on it. But we don't fully understand the device that is our brain. So who, who knows fully what we are picking up on, especially at a subconscious level. And again, we've been doing this for 20 years. So give it a minute. If as humans evolve, who knows what our abilities will be. I'm really overdue for some some psychedelics. I <laughs> I haven't done anything like that in a long time. I'd like to. I used to like shrooms and all that. I, I never really liked acid, some LSD that much. I've had a couple bad experiences on it, I think. Yeah, I probably haven't done anything weird, anything beyond the green stuff in over two decades. Other than people tell me I should tell more stories on here. I, I probably should. I don't know. These are funny. I have a million funny, crazy childhood, teenage, high school type stories that I, I really never tell any of them. Probably because 90% of them make me just look like a degenerate. But yeah, the um, the first time I did acid, I was like 14, maybe going on 15. It was freshman year of high school. And we had just moved to Florida. I didn't really 
you know, know a ton of people at all. I had just made these couple really close friends. You know, we had like our, you know, we had our little stoner crew. It's funny because I had first made friends with my uh, my neighbor kid, Jeremy, and he had just moved from New York. So we were both brand new to town. We hit it off immediately. We were We were hanging every day, smoking, whatever. And we like, we consciously decided to expand the crew, which was hilarious because... I think Jeremy brought it up. He's like, we we really, uh, we really, we really should try to make you know more friends and all that. He's like, let's get a, we'll get a third. Like, we'll work. he had a dude in mind, which was funny. I was like, I was making fun of him about it because like he had already picked out this dude. He had picked out Kevin in advance. I actually thought another dude. I was like, what about him? He seems kind of cool. Jeremy. He was like, nah. I think Kevin's because Kevin had also just moved there and was from New York. So I think he like in any case. Me, Jar, and Kevin used to get into a lot of trouble, and Kevin's older sister was kind of dating this dude, friends with this dude, Blake, who was sophomore, maybe junior, 16-ish, and uh, and he asked us if we wanted to trip one weekend, that he would take us up to the Everglades, and we'd go camping up there overnight and take some acid, so we all signed up for that. And none of us had done psychedelics before. We just had only smoked some weed. So, I, you know, I told my mom, Blake's taking us to the movie, and then I'm sleeping at Kevin's or whatever story I made up. And uh, we were going to Holiday Park or Markham Park, one of the, I think it was Holiday Park, one of the Everglades parks down here in Florida. You know, you can rent you rent these little campsites. Uh, it's You're out in the swamp, but, you know, they've cleared off nice little areas so that you can set up camp with your family and have tents and all that. And, you know, you reserve these, you rent the camp spots, but we figured you just show up and rent, you know, we're kids. We don't know. So we showed up like at night and, uh, they were like, sorry, we got no vacancies for you. So, you know, we're already there. It's a long drive. It's probably an hour drive. We were already there and we had all our gear and everything. So, we were just like, fuck it. Those guys were closing. I think they were leaving and like the only people left there were the convenience store people or whatever, like in the main parking lot. So we just found like our own bit of marshy land over by the swamp there and set up our own little camp on like an area that wasn't actually uh, designated for that. And yeah, and then we ate, uh, we ate an acid tab and it was amazing when it first kicked in. It was amazing. And, you know, I wasn't... That's the thing. Now I would go into these experiences with such intent. Back then, you're just like, I want to, I don't know what you're expecting. You're like, I want to see stuff. I want to just go crazy with it. You're not trying to have some spiritual experience. So it was a lot of that and just staring at the sky and having stupid combos and giggling our asses off. And then we ended up eating another one. So now we're on two and uh, there's gators everywhere, right? You're in the Everglades. There's alligators everywhere, like literally within... 10, 15 feet of us, there'd be like these big gators just scampering by in and out of these marshy little wet spots. And the mosquitoes out there are, you know, the size of mice and we were getting eaten alive. So we went back over to the store area and bought a can of off and we doused ourselves in this off and it got all in my mouth and my eyes. Like, we don't know what we're doing. We're, you know, completely tripping our balls off with this bug spray and we're getting eaten alive we're in like this swampy wet part that we're not supposed to be in and i got so sick from that off i it started choking me and then i ended up throwing up once i got sick like physically sick 
then I started like, that's the thing with the trip. You can't, you can't, uh, when you want to feel normal, you can't do that, especially if something that lasts that long, like you can't fight it. You have to ride it out. So immediately I was like, okay, I want to feel normal for a minute because I feel sick. And meanwhile, like everything I'm looking at makes no sense. Every thought I'm having makes no sense. I'm in this completely other land. I'm on two tabs of acid, never done a psychedelic in my life. So it took me like a good few hours. Actually, what happened is the rest of the night was shitty. It was a good few hours. And then like the sun started to come up and Blake kicked on from his uh, stereo, uh, Bob Marley. I think it was the Bob Marley greatest hits, maybe. I had never really listened to Bob Marley till then. And it was just so beautiful. And it's the sound. It's the other thing, because when you're tripping, some of the sounds can be so nice. And I hadn't been we hadn't been listening to any music all night either. We were just like out there in the swamp and the music came on. and The sun was coming up. And then I was like, I was grooving. The next two, three hours was like the best experience I'd had in my life. Like at that point, I was really like, oh shit, I'm totally connected with the universe. And that was the first time I fully experienced where I was like, and you'll never put this into words, but when you're in that place, you go, okay, there is, everything is so much more than what we can perceive in our normal lives. It all exists behind this, layer that we don't have access to 99.9% of the time. You have to remove those filters somehow, whether it be the psychedelics, whether it be meditation, perhaps we do it in our dreams and things like that. But throughout the normal course of the day, you cannot feel that connection and that complete knowing. It's not even a, oh, it's, it's a complete knowing that the universe is made up of something so much larger than we could possibly understand. But so, yeah, that was, and there was other times with acid where I didn't have a great time, where it was like a little, I don't like things that last quite that long. I usually do, and that's why I'd be interested now to try something like that with my current perspective on it, because maybe it'd be different. But certainly when I was younger, there would kind of always come a point where I'm like, all right, that's enough. That next morning, I remember for some reason, my grandma had come to pick me up. Blake drove us back to Kevin's. My grandma came to pick me up to bring me home to my mom's. And I was still just tripping my face off when I walked in. I remember just saying, I'm so tired. I got to go lay down and go to sleep. But there was no way I was sleeping. I just went in my room, closed the door and laid on my bed and tripped for another few hours. But yeah, so I haven't done anything like that in a long time. The last time I did anything other than the Mary Jane was, this is actually a relief. I will tell more stories. This is actually a really funny story. I was already in my like mid-late 20s. I was probably around 27, if I had to guess, in that range. And I was working for, it was this company called Sound Device. It was like, picture like a um, 40-year-old virgin, but like higher end. It was like a high-end audio video showroom that we had a few stores throughout Florida. You know, it was home theater and home audio distribution and all that kind of stuff. We wear ties to work, with our, you know very, it was very salesman-y. So this guy, Sean, I worked with, may he rest in peace. Um, and speaking, I was just thinking about, I was just told that story about Kevin and Jeremy and Blake, may Kevin rest in peace as well. Speaking of getting older, uh, life is delicate. Uh, in any case, so this guy, Sean, that we worked with was, he, he would always had and would sell that type of thing. 
ecstasy and uh, other stuff. And I don't remember, I think he had a bunch because he was selling to somebody. I don't know. We got on the topic. We were all sitting around the desk, me, him, a couple other guys, one of whom was like, you know, I want to say maybe like 58 at the time, like old school, you know, uh, Vietnam era, big, burly, older Jewish guy with a big gray beard and a deep, raspy voice. If you could picture the type selling speakers and stuff. And he says, he says, I never tried. Uh, he says, he's telling us he did every drug known to man in the world back in his day. That he's got a higher tolerance and constitution than anybody. That he took everything. That he did everything. He starts telling us all these old ketamine stories and everything else. So he gets curious and he says, let me try one to Sean about the... We just called them X back then. X Now they call it Molly or whatever, but it's MDMA, right? They were dirty back then. But So he says, let me try one. So Sean gives him one and he pops it in his mouth and he swallowed it, right? This is like probably 11 a.m. on a Tuesday in the middle of a high-end home theater showroom. So we're dying. We're just laughing our asses off, waiting to watch how this dude reacts when this thing kicks in. Because Sean's got legit. I'm like, Sean, these are legit, right? Now, I hadn't done one even at that time. It had been years. I was like, these are legit. He's like, oh, no, they're legit. I'm like, I can't wait. So, you know, usually it'll take you maybe half hour, 40 minutes, maybe an hour. Depends if you've eaten, if you yeah, empty stomach, whatever. Half hour goes by, hour goes by. Couple hours go by. This dude's nothing. He nothing. Like totally normal, totally straight nothing. So he says, give me another one. He buys, by the way, he's buying. He buys another one off Sean, pops that one. Now he's on two rolls. That's what we call them a lot, two rolls. We roll in tonight, we take some rolls. He's now rolling on two at work. I shouldn't even say he's rolling because he still, he still felt nothing. Now maybe he did and he was trying to play it off. And if so, still, still in my opinion, that's just as impressive for a 50 something year old dude hadn't done drugs. He's on two power. And now, the reason I know they're powerful is because now me at this point with my curiosity and OCD, and I hadn't done one in years, by the way, I lived like a mile from this place. Like I used to go home to go to the bathroom, but you know, it's probably mid afternoon. I, so I say, Sean, let, let me, let me get one of these. I got to eat one now. Let me see. And I was actually hoping they kind of were legit anyway, because it had been a while. I was like, I, I wouldn't mind rolling a little bit. Uh, so then I took one and then boom, within legit 40 minutes i was like oh shit i starting to feel the effects of this thing like i could immediately tell it was that old feeling i was like nope there it goes and then it started getting that nice it's like the one drug you can't really feel uh bad on i don't like calling it a drug i don't know if you classify mdma as a psychedelic whatever it is you can't really feel bad on that thing uh but i also did not want to be at work so i got another one from sean and I said, I'm taking off. And I got another one because I knew I was going home. And when we used to take them back in the day, the best is when that first one starts to wear off, you take another one. I see, this is why I don't tell these stories because I do sound like a degenerate. So for the record, although you know what? Again, it's nothing wrong with taking it. I would do that stuff now with intent. Maybe the fact we were taking that at work, different kind of setting. But yeah, so I was like, I'm out of here. Left a couple hours early, went home some point took the other one but then i was like i can't be it's not the kind of thing you like to do alone you know so i immediately called you know, what was my uh 
who was my girlfriend at the time, to say, get over here because I can't uh, be alone. I took some ecstasy at work and she then came over and, you know, it's always weird when you're on something like that and other people aren't. So I, I, I feel for her in that case because I've been that person when you're around people who are on, when people are really drunk and you're not drunk, that's, that's one thing. But when people are on something specific and you're not on that specific thing, that's, that's a whole nother weird disconnected way of interacting, I think. But it was, uh, it was a, f- a fun, funny experience. So, and Jeff still claimed after that he didn't feel a thing, that it was nothing, that maybe he was a little tingly or something like that. So, but that was the last time, but I'm overdue. I'm overdue for that type of experience. Like I said, it's all about the, like now if I'd see, that's why I really want to, because now I would be like, I'm, I'm using this as actual, you know, medicine. I'm using it to gain more insight and understanding. Cause I remember what it felt like to have those filters removed but but I didn't have the wisdom and intentionality that I would have with it now. But yeah, man, life is uh, life is weird. Life is strange. Maybe it is the alien stuff. Do y'all, what happened a couple months ago? We were we were shooting down. We shot down like two or three things. Canada shot something down within like a week or two span, and then nobody ever heard about it. Like they never told us what it was. Like how did they not know? what they shot down. Either there's three options. One, it's some sort of fake publicity stunt. That's what a lot of people think. I don't think that. Two, it is something that they don't want to make us privy to because they don't think we should know for national security reasons or something like that. Or three, they just flub something and it was like a weather balloon and they don't want to look stupid like they used F-16 missiles to shoot down a weather balloon. But option four, where they just went, yeah, we don't know. We will get back to you with more info. Like that's silly. Why, how does anybody, and nobody cares. I feel like if this would have happened 20 years ago, everybody would care. We're all so desensitized now to just how crazy things are and more desensitized to the fact that nobody ever tells us anything or explains anything to us. But listen, there, there, there are aliens. I'm not going to get into a whole, I've done other shows on aliens. There's aliens out there. There are other life forms, people that say, how do you know? Can you prove like, stop it already. I actually heard this described. You guys might've heard it as well. Somebody made a video on this I saw recently where they picked up, um, you know, a handful of sand on the beach. Now, if you pick up a a big handful full of sand, you're holding thousands and thousands of grains of sand just in your one hand. So just in your one hand, you're holding thousands of grains. Now picture you're standing there on a big beach holding those thousands in your hand. Now look at the whole beach picture like the whole coastline, right? That's billions, trillions of grains of sand. Now picture the whole country, picture the whole earth, picture every continent, every coastline, every beach. Now think about this. There are more planets in the universe than there are grains of sand on the entire planet earth. Okay. Every grain from every continent There's more planets than that, but it's just us here. Like all of that, just so that we can sit here on our tiny rock and go, wow, all that exists. That's really cool. But yeah, now there may not be anything else out there. Just exists for no reason at all. 90 something billion light years across. I I, I will give the example I always give, because this is something I thought of myself a long time ago. And I thought it really puts in perspective how vast 
because our, we can't normally quantify things with that high of a number. Our brains just, because it doesn't apply to anything in real life. Even when you start to get into the, the billions and trillions, it's like, it doesn't really quantify. But when you're talking about space, you know, you have to get into light years and stuff, because if you try to even use regular, you know, miles or the, even the metric system or anything, it, it wouldn't even compute to a normal person. So you have to discuss it in terms of light years. And the light year is how far you would travel in a Earth context calendar year. So the 365 days, it's how far you travel in a year if you were moving at the speed of light, which is the fastest known thing in the physical world that we're aware of, right? But nothing comes close to the speed of light. Even our theoretical travel only gets up to like 10% of the speed of light. That's why they figure, look, if they're traveling here, they're not doing it in a straight line. They're manipulating the fabric of space-time somehow. They're using gravitational. They're using portals, wormholes, black holes. Some They're using something. They're manipulating gravity somehow, and that coincides with how people think these crafts are moving and so forth. In any case, okay, so speed of light. It's 186,000 miles per second right? So at that speed, you could wrap the entire Earth's circumference more than seven times in one second, 186,000 miles in one second, okay? So now picture you were traveling at that speed. Think of this universe. It's 94 billion light years across. You're going 186,000 miles a second. You're going at the speed of light. Now picture you started traveling at that speed when dinosaurs went extinct 65 million years ago, right? Dinosaurs go extinct. You hit up outer space at light speed, 186,000 miles per second, okay? Now you're still traveling at that speed now, okay? From 65 million years ago, you never stopped. Straight through for 65 million years, you're cooking at 186,000 miles a second, speed of light, straight out through the universe. If you did that, you would be 0.0007% of the way through that 94 billion light year across universe. 0.0007, I believe, is the number. And that's if you were traveling for 65 million years. And we talk about, oh, can we get to Mars or can we get to this star that's, you know, 20 light years away or something, which we can't even do that. But you could have started traveling at the time the Earth was born. And you'd still be just a tiny percentage of the way. The Earth's, what, 4 billion years old or something? Out of 94 billion? You'd still barely have made it anywhere. That's how vast it is. So imagine that and then go, it's just us that was all made for just us? So yeah, I get it. You can't prove life exists, but it should be... It should be, in my opinion, at least kind of an accepted theory where people go, yeah, of course, of course there's stuff out there. I think because stuff's been so commercialized, the way we think of aliens, whether it be, you know, through uh, movies or media or what have you, but I'll never understand how someone could think of the universe in the terms I just described with that type of truly infinite vastness and then go, yeah, no, I think it's probably just us. You know what I mean? Ah, enough about, enough about aliens for now. Have you guys seen, uh, speaking of weird, creepy phenomenon, have you guys seen all this AI stuff? The AI stuff's really actually scarier in a lot of ways. This chat, uh, GPT or what have you. It's funny. Some of that stuff's funny. Like you tell it, write me a essay on whatever, and it will. 
That's part of what I didn't realize. I didn't even think about the implications. I read an article recently or I saw something online that was saying how many college students and high school students are using these AI programs for their papers. And as it becomes more advanced, it's not going to be discernible. Like apparently they were being caught now, but I'm sure a lot of them aren't. And if you think about it, you say, yeah, write me a 20-page essay on George Washington. And some advanced program is going to be able to do that and just pull from all the resources on the internet and give you something that makes total complete sense and probably be superior to whatever this kid would have written on their own. I actually saw a thing recently. This was really creepy. Um, They're starting to experiment with using human brain matter to produce or manufacture the artificial intelligence. In other words, they're saying it's, it's like a superior electrical conduit. Like I was saying before, our brain functions on electrical activity. Our entire body does essentially. So, but they were saying the brain is the most superior. And there was this, uh, they showed a video where somebody had human brain matter in a Petri dish and was like feeding electrical signals to it. And it had, it had the brain matter playing pong against each other. There was a screen with the, you know, the basic pong game. And this was just a tiny Petri and they were just running like the most basic signal to it so that it could play this pong game. Listen, I don't pretend to understand how any of this shit works. I'm insanely pseudo-intellectual when it comes to this stuff. I find it really fascinating. It's the exp- expression, the knowledge a mile wide and an inch deep. I guess I have some deep knowledge on certain subjects, but I mentioned, so forgive me if my terminology is is off, but you understand what I'm trying to say. And the dude was saying that that this was just a Petri dish, but imagine expanding that to the size of a room, to the size of a building, where you've got brain matter acting. At that point, the reason why I say that's extra creepy is because brain matter would gain consciousness, it would seem, I would think. We're messing with stuff we don't understand. Again, we don't even understand the human brain. We don't understand artificial intelligence. We're combining things we don't understand. I was thinking about recently how we just discovered electricity in the 1700s, right? Like I think it was around the late 1800s that we even started using electricity in public places or buildings like for uh, street lamps and uh, things like that. Almost 1900, right? So yeah, toward the end of the 19th century. So you're talking 150 years ago, less. Less than 150 years, we went from first putting electricity into buildings and homes to to this. And 150 years is, I mean, that's nothing. That's a fucking blink. It's nothing. It's a, and even things like you know indoor plumbing uh, and and you know irrigation. And I was talking to someone about agriculture. I don't buy the human evolution timeline. It just doesn't make sense. We assume because we can't find evidence of certain things that they didn't exist. But come on, if we could go 150 years from electricity to having fucking smartphones and the most advanced jets and transportation and uh, computer systems and all that, what evidence would there be? Even with all we've built now, if you turned off the lights tomorrow and humans disappeared and we went another 70,000 years or something with no activity and let's say we went through ice ages and other type extinction events, what what would even be left? What proof would there be that there was electricity? I think it was, so it was, and I, think about the human population. 70,000 years ago, the human population on this planet, they say was probably down to like 3,000 to, to 10,000 people. 
because of the um, the uh, the super volcano in Indonesia, right? That it caused like that that the super volcano erupted and it caused because of all the shit that went up into the atmosphere a thousand years of global cooling, right? The whole earth just covered in ice, right? And that the entire world population could have been as low as the whole world, 3,000 people. 3,000 people went to my high school. You're talking about none, right? So, but prior to that, there was hundreds of thousands of humans around and they weren't connected. So let's say you're telling me if some civilization that nobody had figured out to how to build themselves homes and figured out agriculture and, or figured out livestock even, forgetting even electricity, basic things like livestock, agriculture, shelters, permanent residences, pl- uh, plumbing, some sort of plumbing, some sort of irrigation, and even things like electricity or even technologies that were way more advanced. And then they all die off. And then we think 70,000 years later, we're going to find some evidence of the type of shit that they had in their house that's a thousand feet below ice and mud and dirt and all the other coolings and everything that have even happened since. So we just go, well, this is the most recent stuff we can find on certain civilizations. So therefore, it must mean before that it didn't exist. I don't buy any of that. And again, I have no scientific knowledge to back that up. Just from a human behavioral standpoint, I can't wrap my brain around because again, if our brains are the same as their brains and we did this in 150 years, you're telling me they had 100,000 years, but they couldn't even figure out how to raise an animal or grow crops. They were just hunting, gathering and grunting all over and following thing. I don't, it makes no sense. Just doesn't make logical sense in my, uh, in my layman's brain. But yeah, man, life is, life is not, I think about this stuff, I think about time all the time and those types of things. And as I get older, the more I find myself thinking about that. And maybe it does tie into, you know, what's the meaning of it all? What's the origins of it all? Like it's gotta, it's gotta all mean something, you know? Meaning, right? I guess that's the whole meaning, purpose, the whole key to everything. I think everybody wants that. I'll, I'll, I'll wrap up with you guys on that kind of high note, uh, you know, somebody recently said to me that uh, you really have to do things that feed your soul. It's a good way to put it. We do. Without that, it's like, what do we got? It's, it's, it's really well phrased. Feed your soul, whatever's underneath there. And, and, you know, I mentioned this recently online, and I think it's important because we're not always going to feel that type of internal passion or motivation and stuff like that. And I do think it's important that when you're feeling just kind of numb, that you force yourself through a lot of those motions. You got to really logically, intellectually go, hey, what would a healthier version of me be doing? And then you just really fucking force yourself to do those things that you know to be what a healthier version of your soul would be desiring. You understand it deep down and just do it over. And then I think the part where you start to feel like you're feeding your soul, it can come a little later. Because a lot of people, myself included, you instinctively want to put that cart before the horse. And sometimes you just have to just keep moving with it. And and then it'll come afterwards. Life is a trip. Uh, I said recently, it's like this battle of trying to decide when we want to leave our comfort zones, when we want to be vulnerable, when we want to be trusting, when we want to experience new things versus when we want to be safe. 
and comfortable and have predictability in our lives. And, uh, and being, being vulnerable is not being weak. It takes great strength to allow yourself to be vulnerable. Just think about it in the sense of, think about how hard it is. Think about how hard it feels to let your guard down and be vulnerable. Nobody likes, if it was a weak thing to do, everybody would be doing it because it'd be easy. Anything that's really hard to do is pretty much never a weak thing, right? It's really hard because it requires a great deal of strength, courage. And, uh, and, and I think I can safely say that that whole little weird dance we do with that stuff, that is the journey of life itself. And, and, you know, this is coming from someone who has very often throughout life chosen that comfort and predictability over the vulnerability and openness to whatever growth and experience and all the stuff that comes along with leaving your comfort zones, even to the point of self-sabotage. I'm just talking about, you know, because there is this thing where it's like, at least I can control it, right? At least I can make it predictable. I think a lot of people battle that. I know that's been, it's been one of my main hangups for as long as I can remember. Just wanting to make things controllable and safe and predictable and not be vulnerable and not be open to, you know, hurt and disappointment and all. That's why I say self-sabotage, because at least you can you can you can force a predictable outcome. So even if it's shitty, it doesn't feel like dangerous or uncomfortable. And that's that's not a good way to be. So you really do have to force a lot of these things. And you really have to examine yourself. And all that stuff I was saying about the universe and life and time and all that, it's like, why not? Because what does it all mean? And this particular life is very short. Uh, you know, whether we go on from here and our soul lives more lives and all that, it's short, this one here. And, uh, and there's, there's really no reason to limit ourselves in such ways. It is, it is all just fear at the end of the day. People have a lot of different fears and issues and weird insecurities and false beliefs and things that are holding them back, things that are keeping them in these, these mental pres- prisons. And, and I mention all this because I want to see, I want to see people listen. I've never, <laughs> I don't know if I've ever claimed to be a compassionate person in some ways. I don't know. I, I do, I do want to see everybody happy. And then also if I ever, if I ever experience something or feel benefit from something in some way, I, I am the type I like to share it with people. Because, you know, I do get joy out of that. Uh, you know, I may or may not have been accused before of not really being compassionate because I only say certain things versus do certain things. Listen, words are, words are powerful. Words are powerful, especially when they're authentic. If words are coming from your heart, if, if the words you're saying are coming from the deepest parts of you, especially to people that you love and care about, but, you know, I, I understand, uh, you know, both sides of that as far as actions not backing up words. I think it depends on the person and the situation and what's going on there. Sure. Yeah. A lot of people, if their actions don't back up their words, it's because the words they're saying are bullshit. So you go, well, this guy's saying one thing, he's doing another thing. That's bullshit. So that's for sure super common. But then I think, yeah, a lot of people just can't get out of their own fucking way that they do have all these weird fears and insecurities and mental blocks that prevent them from following through on those things that are in their heart. And so they, they feel just as deeply as anyone, but, but they just don't know how 
to act on those things that they that they feel so passionately about and that itself is the struggle for so many people and that manifests in so many different ways uh, and i see it with other people and i and i understand it about myself and my own past shit that's why i would say intent is really so important and it is it's often really hard to accurately gauge somebody's intent but yeah if you're speaking from the heart you know there's a lot of people that use uh colorful language with everybody so it's like if you're saying to people you're the you're the prettiest person i ever saw or you know you're my my favorite person on earth you're my favorite human in the world if you if if somebody's saying that type of stuff to everybody yeah it's it's probably not so genuine you know like if I told somebody they were my favorite person on earth, they would actually be my favorite person on earth. I wouldn't loosely throw around that type of language. So I guess it depends on the people in the situation. You kind of have to know somebody. But yeah, almost every time if I say something meaningful, meaningful to somebody, good or bad, uh, I mean it. You know, unless I'm just like in an agitated state and I'm raging out for a second, which is very rare. But you know. But yeah, if, you, if you're if you're reserving special language and things you say to to really like only those most special people to you, you know, ac- actions or not, that stuff can often mean the world. And listen, life is really messy. Here's here's some advice. I'll leave y'all with this. Life is fucking messy. Ex- accept that. It, it, accept it above everything else. And the reason I say that is. It's like once you truly accept how messy and unpredictable and how little control you actually have over the world and all the external stuff that's going on and all these insanely messy, intricate, infinite parts just crashing into each other and every single person's emotional, everything factoring in and everyone's different brains and souls and personality, like it's a huge, giant chaotic mess but when you accept that and truly understand it you stop internalizing everything so much you stop taking everything so personally but yeah we really just have to focus on being the best healthiest versions of ourselves point blank period yeah there's a million other things we can and should pursue and do and experience and all but you got to start with that you just have to start there and then if, if you are at least striving to be that healthiest version, then, then I believe what's meant to be will be in all circumstances. I really do believe that, even if I have to remind myself of it often. And, uh, and that's all. I hope everybody had a great week, holiday with the family, all that great stuff, Easter, Passover, just uh, enjoying time with loved ones. And I will be back in a few days with another episode for y'all. And, uh, and thank you so much for tuning in. Be good.